Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hey, everybody, this is Scott Cowan, and today my guest is Aaron Jordan, who is the well, team player, head of operations, head roaster, green coffee buyer, bathroom attendant, um, barista, <laughs> and everything for Roast House Coffee in Spokane. Uh, welcome, Aaron. Hey, thanks for having me on, Scott. That's a, that was a great, great introduction. You know, really, really jack of all trades, master of none. There we go. <laughs> there we go. So, Aaron, um, I met you. I'll tell the story of how I actually met you in person. Um, we had gone out to first Avenue uh, coffee in Spokane and we had talked with uh, someone there and they said, Oh, you got to go out to the roasting, the roasting plant. And I said, okay, cool. And so my wife and I drive out to, to roast house. And honestly, this is what I said. And I think I've told you this, so it won't be a surprise, but I, I pulled up, I said to my wife, I go, I don't know if this is a good idea. It just wasn't what I was expecting, you know, being in this warehouse space and we go in and, roasting the roasting plants really cool i mean the guys the coffee bar that you have there is 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 amazingly great i don't think i met you that day but we talked at the 10th anniversary party um, yeah and i asked you you know do you guys partner with people and and you're like yeah and i said well who do i need to talk to you and you go me <laughs> and it was like oh <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny i was like oh you're the guy so i actually asked the question to the right person from the very beginning and so we've we've chatted online and offline for quite a while now and and uh i'm really what you guys do at roast house and at first avenue is, is really really cool and i wanted to get you on the show and from your own words tell us about roast house yeah thanks scott i mean we've always enjoyed our interactions with you and it's just great working with people that have similar values and things that they want to accomplish so it's always a blast getting to chat with you guys. Um, but yeah, Rose house was founded in 2010. Deb, the owner, which hopefully I think we're, we have a episode planned in the future with her. She'll be a very, uh, surly, energetic, uh, crass episode. Most definitely. <laughs> but, uh, she started this company with essentially one vision, which was to do hundred percent organic coffee, uh, sustainably sourced, and that all the mechanisms within the business would be centered around taking care of the planet, taking care of people, um, and, uh, and really filling that need. And what we saw a lot of times in the, in the industry was people had other focus points, you know, branding. There's so many cool brands out there. Um, you know, maybe a, a portion of their coffee would be organic and a larger portion would not be. Um, and there was kind of like, you know, too much diversity and so Deb said, well, we're, we're going to do the one thing and we're going to do the one thing really well. And that was sourcing sustainably produced coffees. And so over the last 10 years, uh, that's exactly what we've done for 10 years, no stops. So, uh, and it's just been a great challenge to do that. There's a lot of dynamics that go into how to do that on a quality level while also, you know, on a financial level for a lot of producers uh, can be pretty costly to be organic. So, you know, what are we doing as roasters to become better partners to support them? And uh, so that would fit into maybe the green buying portion. So the green coffee, the raw coffee that we import um, and work with a number of different vendors, importers, and partners along those lines um, to really create that high trust uh, supply chain has been just 
a great journey and there's so many awesome stories that we've been blessed with uh, over the years too. So yeah, fast forward 10 years, here we are. Uh, we still rock on a, a 12 kilo Dietrich roaster, which does about 20 pound batches at a time. They're made just in Sandpoint, Idaho. So how many hours a day is that roaster running? So right now we're running at about, you know, it's a solid six to eight hour shift for a roaster. Um, and you have, you factor in about an hour of that is going to be your warm up, and an hour is going to be your cool down. So, you know, effectively you're running, you're producing coffee for, you know, five hours uh, a day. You could do longer. I have done longer. I think the longest roasting day I've clocked myself was I started at 5 a.m. and I finished at 10 p.m. Uh, that was a doozy of a day. I tell you what. Yeah, that's, um, that's a long time to be standing around a coffee roaster and, and yeah. sure that everything is going well. Yes, exactly. And so you'd have to break down midday and clean the roaster out and then warm it back up and then do some more batches and then cool it back down and clean it out. And yeah, it was a, it was fun. It was, it was a good way to learn how to manage production shifts so that you don't have to do that. <laughs> so, so speaking of coffee roasting, how did you get started doing, how did you get started working with roast house? Because when we've talked before, um, you're not from Spokane originally and you moved out, out to the, to Washington state, but how did you get started? What brought you into coffee? Yeah, so I was doing my undergrad in Chicago, and I had met a gentleman. Uh, well, I, I say gentleman now. He was 13 at the time. <laughs> Let's just be clear. <laughs> he was a professional, though, you know? Anyways, they, they own this shop. Him and his, his parents own this shop in Rochester, Michigan, uh, called the Desert Oasis. And they're still cl- ticking today. They've got I think three beautiful shops in Detroit and Royal Oak and a couple other places in Michigan. Um, and so I met him, Nathan, and he showed me his little roasting operation. Again, mind you this whole time, he's 13. Okay. And, so yeah, 13 year old coffee roaster. Right. And he's explaining to me the science behind, you know, caramelization and the Maillard reaction and all this stuff. And he shows me his little roasting room and, the green coffee bags that he had and this whole thing. And I was just like, this is awesome. Um, and so I go, well, how do I do it at home? I don't know why that was my first thought, but I asked the question. He goes, oh, you go on this website, you can buy a roaster, you can buy some green coffee from me and you'll be off to the races. So then before I know it, you know, we're going back and forth and he's uh, teaching me how to roast. So I fast forward, I'm in Chicago. I start roasting to save money for myself for, uh, college i figure well if i can fuel my caffeine addiction then i don't have to pay retail for it i can just pay wholesale do the labor myself so i got this whole setup well what happens when you start roasting coffee on a dorm floor with 50 other dudes you've got you've got 50 other people asking you for coffee exactly so my i i am an entrepreneur through and through so my little foot starts ticking and i'm thinking going oh you know i might have a little side business here so you know, of course it developed into something. So I'd, what I would do is I'd go to school in the morning. I'd work my day job. I'd come home at night. I'd roast till one, two in the morning, do my homework while I'm roasting. And then in the morning I'd load up my backpack with roasted coffee bags and I'd go distribute like a drug dealer, you know, and a, a uh, drug dealer that smelled good. Yeah. Like freshly exactly. roasted coffee in your, 
Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and I could use my own product without getting judged for it, you know? Right. <laughs> right. So then I moved out to Spokane um, to, to follow a girl, and okay. we wound up getting married, and we just celebrated our seventh anniversary this past week. And Congratulations. And she was out here, and she introduced me to Deb, who owns Roast House. And so I asked Deb, hey, can I get a job here? And I was 19 at the time. And she looked at me and asked me where my mother was. <laughs> I, have Which, I have described you to people. I said I asked this guy at the Roast House party, and I really wanted to ask him for his driver's license. I, so I, <laughs> I described you that way, too. So. Yes. Yeah, it's perfect. So, oh my yeah, I just I just turned thirteen. I'm really excited to be in my teens now. Well, the fact that you have the fact that your your coffee mentor was thirteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I find that to be hysterical in this story. It is. Yes, and uh, you know, and now he runs three companies. He runs operations for all of them, all the branding, all the, and he does a stellar job. Uh, so it's just funny. It, it's really funny to me. So, but yeah, I moved out here and uh, and. Deb didn't really have a position for me. And so she said, well, you know, if you want to apprentice, you can. Um, and the head roaster at the time, Dave, said, yeah, sure, you can come hang out with me on Saturdays. So I would hang out with him. And then I would, uh, I just made a list. I remember early on, you know, even in high school, I remember someone telling me that the best thing you can do is find someone tenured in the position you want to be in. And then invest your dollars in, in, in getting to know that person. And so I took that to heart and I thought, well, I'll make a list of all the coffee roasters I think are cool and, you know, doing interesting things in the industry. So sure enough, I made a list. I called a bunch of them. Uh, some of them told me to F off. Some of them told me to take a flying leap and a rolling donut. Um, and then a handful of them took, took me seriously and were willing to kind of take me under their wing and mentor me. And so uh, Velton Ross, uh, who owns Velton Roasting Company out in Everett, Washington, was was a huge influence on me early on and is just a great human being. Um, and then, uh, you know, Mark Michelson out of Onyx coffee in, in Arkansas, you know, was willing to take my take time and, and walk me through some things if I had questions. And so those relationships really were, were the blossoming of, of teaching me how to learn how to be a professional in the industry. Um, and so then, yeah, fast forward now, uh, Dave wound up, uh, getting out of the coffee industry, he passed off the reins to me, and uh, Deb and I have been working together ever since. Well, that's 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 a that's a very cool story. So good on you for being persistent, because so many of us <laughs> give up. So, so one of the things that I thought was was um, so how I found you. So how I found First Avenue was I was doing these uh, blog posts, a hundred cups of coffee in a hundred days across Washington State as a as a way of uh, me handling uh, the grief of the, my father's passing because my dad's passing um, is for any of us. It's not particularly a fun thing to go through, but my dad and I had this uh, lifelong, I mean, literally since I was like 12, uh, we drank coffee together. I mean, it's just what we did. And my dad didn't really care what the coffee was. In other words, he could go to Denny's and he'd sit and drink coffee at Denny's all day long and be just perfectly happy. Good coffee was kind of wasted on him. I don't like drinking coffee at Denny's and I like good coffee. So I started going around Washington state and going to all these coffee shops. And so first Avenue, uh, somebody, somebody, uh, Molly Lindquist, who I believe, you yeah. know, yeah. 
Molly, Molly, had, awesome. Molly had written an article for our website on, I think, the 10 best coffee shops in Spokane, and, and First Ave was there. And so I thought, I got to go and check this out for myself. So we drove over, and I, I walked in, and I, I literally, uh, my jaw just kind of went, huh. And the coffee bar is amazing. Uh, the, whole, the whole shop is, I, I wish it was in Wenatchee, because I, well, you, I'd, I'd moved in, and you'd have to kick me out. But <laughs> um, I, I just, the shop was, well, not was, is just this amazing coffee experience. And it's literally, you are in the top three of, of my coffee shop experiences in Washington state. And, um, thanks for saying that. Oh, it's, it's the truth. I, I look, I, so one of the things that this coffee journey that I've been on and explore Washington state is I've, I'm getting out to see more Washington state than, than I ever did in all my life. And, it's breaking my preconceived notions. I, I didn't hold Spokane in particularly high regard. And this is coming from a guy who lived in Tacoma. So it's really kind of a weird thing, but I like going to Spokane. I, we go there for concerts now. Uh, we, well, not right now because of, but, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, what concerts are you going to? I want right. to go. Yeah, we go, we've gone to half a dozen shows last year in Spokane. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really cool city. And each time we go there, I, I stop at either, either one of your places, Roast House or First Avenue. And um, I look forward to it. In fact, uh, I, I, I look forward to the drive. So one of the things that I thought was really cool is the neon sign at First Avenue with the damn good coffee. I, I of course, chuckled at that. I thought that was like, okay, okay I'm, I'm, I'm going to like this place. In fact, I've got my, no one can see me, but I've, I'm drinking coffee out of that damn good coffee mug right now. But the F-bomb coffee, you're kind of, I'll call it your signature. Maybe you'll disagree with me. To me, that's the first thing I identified with you guys was the F-bomb coffee. Yes. And let's talk about that because what's the story behind it? And, and then I want to ask you a follow-up question, but what, what's the backstory there? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, this, this ties in with our vision of, of trying to support producers year to year. So it's very difficult to kind of lock down a relationship in coffee producing regions or even, uh, even a coffee producer in and of itself that can sustain year after year. You know, producers have up years and down years. It's an agricultural product. And so one of the big problems that I saw was as a green buyer in the industry was a lot of uh, cherry picking, so to speak, and no pun intended as coffee is a cherry, but um, was that, you know, if, hey, one producer from Peru couldn't get you the volume that you needed, you would jump ship and go to a producer down the street. Um, Producer, farmer, kind of synonymous, I guess, at, at that point. And I thought, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's not like these producers can just hop on Amazon or have a web platform and just, you know, start selling their coffee agency and access to the marketplace is one of the biggest problems and challenges for coffee producers. Um, considering a lot of these places are, you know, I remember chatting with a producer in Guatemala years ago and, and I said, so what's the name of your farm? He goes, what do you mean? What's the name of my farm? Well, like, what do you call it? He's like, I don't know. My grandpa farmed this land. My dad farmed this land. I'm farming the land. It's our farm. I was like, oh, and I was so used to having coffee farms that had a name or a brand at, at being in North America, of course, 
that uh, I go, huh, I never thought of that. So he goes, I don't know. We have a lemon tree in our house, so we'll call it El Limonar. <laughs> I was like, that's a great, that's a great story. But anyway, so, so we, we, one day we had this producer group in, in Mexico that we're actually coming up on our 11th harvest with them, uh, which is an amazing feat to, to work with the same producer for 11 straight years. Um, and I was roasting the first batch of the, the fresh crop harvest and man, it smelled like brownies. Oh my God. It was incredible. And it came out of the roaster and Deb comes out and are, are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah, sure. We'll let you. Okay. Well, it was, a, well, she was cussing a lot. You're dropping right. the F bomb. We'll leave yeah, it at that. She, no, she thought, she thought it was so effing good, right? That, that, those were her words. <laughs> okay. And she got so excited. So then the next day, a friend of ours that was, that was working for us at the time, actually Bill Bloom, he came in and wrote, uh, had this little illustration. It was like a bomb and the wick was in a shape of an F and it said F bomb coffee on it. And we thought, gosh, that sure is clever. That's kind of cute. Maybe we should name it that. So then we did a couple of tastings where we would take coffee that we would call Mexico Mahamut. And then we would take a co- that same coffee and label it F-bomb. And we did some market research to see what people's responses were. Even though it was the same coffee, people wanted the F-bomb more than they liked the Mexico, even though it was exactly the same. Okay. And so we started, it was the first realization where we recognized that, you know, branding helps you know, helps you move coffee. So I figure if I can move a hundred bags of it as Mexico Mahamut, or I can move 300 bags by calling it F bomb, I should probably call it F bomb. So then now I can support that producer on a higher level. And so F bomb was born and then it has evolved since then into our single serve brand. So we, we rolled out cold brew. We do it in 12 ounce bottles, the F bomb cold brew. We also put it on keg in kegs and serve it on nitro at the cafe at first Avenue and at roast house. Um, and then we do this steeped coffee packs, which are like single serve, all compostable. You just need a mug of hot water, dip the bag in there and you're good to go. So then F bomb kind of became, like you said, our, our signature calling card, if you will. Yes. And so actually you just answered what my, my follow-up question was, is the, the, the brand extensions that you guys have done with it, the cold brew, the bottled and in the steeped bags. I think a lot of people, if you say, you know, bagged coffee, they're going to have a funny look on their face. Like what? Can you explain the benefit and why you guys are doing these individual serve steeped bags? Mm. Yeah, this is great. We this is something that we we're always kind of keeping at the forefront of our mind. Single serve coffee has been around for a very, very, very long time. Multi, multi billion dollar industry. Uh, when you look at instant coffee and Starbucks Via and your, you know, uh, oh, what's that one with the yellow label? Um, oh God, it's been around forever. Cafe Boosley or um, oh, um that's the Cuban coffee, right? Isn't yeah, it Cuban? Yeah, exactly. So right, you know, this whole idea of just single serve options. And so there were a couple companies that had come online w- that were doing specialty instant coffee. So they're taking the the technology of instant coffee, but instead of using really low quality coffee, they were using really high quality coffee. And they were actually fantastic. They're really delicious. The downside was they're pretty expensive. 
the technology hadn't evolved enough to make it a cost-effective item. So like you said, you say instant specialty coffee, people's faces kind of cringe. And then you say, oh, also, by the way, it's $4. It's like their faces are like now just wrinkled up. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. So while it was a great solution, it just wasn't a perfect fit. And then Steeped came along, which is a company out of Santa Cruz. They're a, a, a B Corp certified, amazing company. All their, everything about their packaging is compostable, breaks down. Um, I mean, to the point that you can't even hold the product for over a certain period of time because the packaging will literally start to disintegrate. It's that compostable. Um, and they put some really cool things in place like heat sealing instead of using glue. Um, and then, you, you know, instead of using staples on the little like tea sachet bag, they use again, the same heat sealing method. And so what that allows us to do is now we have no adhesives, everything's just screen printed on there and it's, it fully composts. And so we thought, Hey, that aligns with our values to be sustainable. And it also allows us to provide a single serve option for people. So we rolled that out last year with the F bomb and it was great. You know, we, we did a whole discovery phase with Steve to try and find, we had to change the roast profile a little bit so that it would uh, translate to a new brewing method better so that the experience across F bomb cold brew and F bomb in a hot brew and F bomb is a steeped pack would be somewhat similar anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, so we partnered with them on that and then we just launched a limited release lineup with them as well. Uh, that'll have a Ethiopia coffee in it. That's really, really good. So we just rolled that out like earlier this week. Oh, very cool. I'll have to, um, I'll have to come in and grab some of that and give it a shot. Cause my, my wife picked up, I think she ordered 50 bags of it uh, for me for, for Christmas. And uh, it was, it was pretty funny. I was like, what's this little, there's this box, but it's really light. What is it? Um, it was, it was, it's, it's pretty cool. We, you know, I take it with me when I'm going places where I know I'm not going to have, you know, good coffee. Yeah. They're, they're great stocking stuffers. Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 it's, and it's really tasty. It's, it's, it's a very good, very good cup of coffee. So congratulations for you guys for, uh, you know, finding that and being patient enough to bring it to market and, um, share it with, with your, with your audience. The other, so what else have you guys been doing? Let's, let's go here. So at the time of this recording, uh, we're all still kind of, I think, scratching our heads about COVID and whether we can go out in public or we can't and all those things, but it's getting better. But for a little while, it was kind of like we were all in our homes and we're going yeah. and But you guys, I, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys kind of launched these higher end cold coffees, single, you know, uh, 12 ounce bottles. Um, was that new? And was that in response to the market shift or had that been on the works for a while and you just had time to execute or am I completely wrong and you've had them forever and I just didn't know? No. Yeah. So we, it was a new product and it also was something that was in the cooker for a long time. And again, like many things in coffee, there is a, you know, a large market that larger companies do things on a, on a scalable level that maybe isn't quality oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, but they serve a need in the marketplace. And so as smaller independent companies, you kind of look at that and weigh the options of what you can wade in on, um, you know, the risk analysis and all that. And so for 
the single serve bottles, we really wanted something that was crazy high quality. And so we just never really found a recipe that we liked or that we thought tasted good or translated or had any shelf stability. All those kind of hurdles came into play. And then of course, you know, our COVID culture hit and we thought, okay, how do we adapt? How do we serve our marketplace now? Um, you know, I know many people would, would argue that coffee is essential. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we, we, we think so too, you know, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that if, if economics really hit hard and people weren't able to afford coffee, you know, they, I don't know, they, would they start chewing on roots again to get caffeine fixes? I'm not sure. So, so we try and always keep that in mind that, that we, we need to adapt and serve a marketplace because at any given time, you know, you, your product could not be needed anymore um, or out of reach for people. And so what we looked at is what, what did the market need and what did the community need more importantly during a time where they're all, you know, locked up in their houses, they're having to work from home, you know, moms are working double duty, you know, dads are trying to orchestrate, families are together more than they ever have been with all the challenges that can be faced there. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with my wife for the last decade, so I, I didn't necessarily have those problems. <laughs> um, we were used to it, but it was a big challenge for people. And so what we wanted to do is bring some, some joy, some smiles, uh, have a good time, um, be able to engage and have something that wasn't COVID related on their social media feeds. And right. so we just decided to kind of adapt to um, what was going on. And what we thought is that people didn't need another uh, COVID response post they needed you know something to laugh at something to have a good time with and so we started doing you know curbside uh people would drive their cars up and we'd chuck bags of coffee through their car windows and um we would you know kept everything super clean we did free shipping because people were staying home and staying safe so our free shipping code is is safety is sexy and it is actually still uh, available online uh if you get a pound of coffee we'll cover the shipping costs and then we thought, well, people aren't enjoying the space, the cafes, the tasting room. So how can we bring that experience to them? And First Avenue and Roast House has made our own chocolate ganache since the beginning. And for our mochas and, and things like that, it kind of became our, our signature. And we thought, well, hey, why don't we throw that in a bottle so that people can just enjoy it at their, at their house? And so we pulled together the we're actually bottling right now uh, out there for this week's production we bottle on Fridays and mm -hmm. so uh, Ryan and myself and Kyle uh, we're the three roasters uh, here we workshop different recipes and ratios and figured out what would work best and then figured out a scalable system and we just started jamming out cases and cases and cases of bottled mochas uh, and to the point where we're, we're selling out every week now and I'm seeing people putting them in their ice cream maker, throwing them in cocktails, putting vodka, bourbon in them, Kahlua. We've seen all sorts of really creative ways of enjoying these. And so they became just a fun way to engage people in, in, our, in our culture, but from the safety of their own home. And uh, that, was, that was just a ton of fun to see, right? It's always great to see posts of people cracking open a cold one of your bottled, of your bottled stuff and, and sipping on it in their in their in their PJs. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. So what's next? Do you guys have, I mean, I don't know if you, you know, you didn't know I was going to ask you this question. So here's that bus backing over you right now. What's next? You guys got something 
else up your sleeves coming up or, or is it just kind of mastering and, and continuing to perfect everything that you're doing right now? I'm not telling. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. We've always got ideas in the cooker, man. I mean, that's the fun part about coffee is that coffee is coffee, right? You know, for, for some people it's, I've said this for years that coffee can be as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. Sure. And that's the beauty of it. So if you want to get nerdy on the farm details and the variety and the processing method and what month it was harvested and how many hours of sunlight it, the coffee plants got and on westward, east, you know, whatever, you know, we can go there. And then if people just want the, I like it, I don't like it, simplicity of coffee, we can do that too. And mm-hmm. so we're always trying to serve that. So yeah, we're about to launch uh, right now, fresh crop Ethiopias are coming in uh, from Ethiopia. And so this is a great time. The summer is fantastic for Ethiopian coffees because they're right. They're lively. They're super refreshing. Um, some of them can even be like, uh, like summer teas or sun teas or something like that. They're just a really fun experience. So we'll be, we'll be rolling out our second year with a group in Ethiopia, um, here probably in the next week. So that's a new product. Uh, the uh, Ethiopia steeped packs are brand new this week. So those will be uh, rolling out and we're actually going to start uh, rotating those. So as soon as we sell out, there won't be any more Ethiopia heating. And so that coffee will switch up um, through the seasons. So we'll always be able to bring some new uh, offering for the steeped product line. Um, let's see, what else do we have in this? Uh, we have a draft project in the works. I'll say that um, for the for the cafe and for up at Roast House that I'm very very excited about. It's something I've been having had in the idea for a couple of years now, so I'm excited to bring it to fruition. All right. Um, yeah. So, the premise of Explore Washington State is you know we want to get out there and, and celebrate and showcase the, the things that are a little bit off the beaten path, and you know people and businesses that are doing cool things like, like rust house and, you know, good hikes to go on, you know, places to go that, you know, everybody knows about the space space. Needle, everybody knows about Mount Rainier. So I ask everybody pretty much the same series of questions. So when you're going out in Spokane, where's a great place that you like to go to lunch? Ooh, that is a great question. I am a sucker for Brunchinette. They are on Monroe and Broadway by the courthouse. And they, I have always had great experiences with them. And she had some, so they do breakfast, brunch food, and they're having some challenges. Like how do you transport eggs? You know, that's kind of a weird takeout food to do. And, um, and so when they finally figured it out and started doing takeout, we went there and it was amazing. So just the intention of detail, it's really quality food. Um, they have a wide array of, of, of goodies on the menu and, you know, shameless plug, they serve our coffee. Oh, <laughs> All right. So you can get a good cup of coffee and you can get brunch. Perfect. So you've got friends coming in from out of state and they're going to be mm. in town for a day and you're going to hang out with them for better part of a day. Where are you going to take them? What are you going to show them in the Spokane area? Okay. For sure. We're going on a hike. Okay. 
So I love the Liberty Lake loop. I think that's a gorgeous loop. It's about a nine mile altogether. Um, not too technically difficult. Um, that's great. Mount Spokane is obviously beautiful. You can do a hike up there. So that's how it started our day. About 9, 10 a.m., I'd be getting up. I'd be going on a beautiful hike, cool weather, see some waterfalls, see some scenic outlooks. And then we'd come back and we'd, we'd have lunch at Brunchinette. Obviously, I already said that. So that's kind of a no-brainer. Okay. And one of my favorite things in Spokane uh, to do is the Centennial Trail. Um, I just love going for walks. There's so many great uh, directions you can take it and go. It'll take you to different spots. So we would go for an afternoon ice cream, for sure, at the Scoop in Kendall Yards. Or we'd go up to the South Hill. Their their OG location is awesome as well. Okay. And then, uh, you know, we'd probably do I'm – a, I'm a pretty big – home cook. I love cooking at home. So I'd probably cook them a meal or something. We might go out for dinner, but I like cooking for people if I'm, if I'm hosting. Okay. And then, and then we'd for sure hit some, some breweries in town. We'd either go to uh, nectar. I love nectar cause they have a bunch of uh, local breweries on tap and they kind of have a, are a bottle shop here in Spokane. Um, or we do, we do cocktails at like hogwash. All right. So I, my, you started this off and I was thinking a nine mile hike. I, I Myself, I'm like, I'm not looking forward to that. But if I'm going to go and uh, eat at Brunchinette, I'm going to go have ice cream and then go drink. Um, yeah, I need to burn those calories. So I guess I'd have to go along with you. Um, that yeah, sounds like I'm, a really fun day. <laughs> it, it, I'm strategic. You know, yes, I, I, you th- I thought that one through. The, the nine mile hike wasn't for exercise. It was to justify the rest of the day. To justify, there you go. <laughs> but you didn't start the day off with coffee, though. That's, the, that's the, the thing you left off. You didn't say, well, we'd have coffee to start. It's true. Oh, my God. How embarrassing. Yeah, I, I, I gave you a softball there. You could have. You could have I know. And I, and I flubbed it. <laughs> oh, well. So to wrap this up, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you guys? Um, because you've got two locations and, um, if you got anything else you want to share, go for it. Yeah. Thanks man. Yeah. So, uh, first Avenue coffee is our cafe in downtown Spokane on first and Monroe. It's gorgeous space, 40 foot espresso bar balcony upstairs is probably one of my favorite spots to be. Um, just quiet, secluded, nice, soft seating. And we have a big 15-foot um, walnut community table that's gorgeous. Uh, obviously, safely proportioned seatings for our current climate. Uh, so that's that's First Avenue. Uh, we do online ordering on the Joe app, and we have a website too for that, uh, firstavenuecoffee.com. And then at Roast House, we're up north a little bit off Division and Foothills, we can be found roasthousecoffee.com. Again, we're doing free shipping. So safety is sexy is the code. And then we're also doing free shipping for subscriptions now through the summer, uh, which is kind of a cool deal to, to get in on because we probably won't get, keep that around forever. And the code for that's fuel for the summer. So you get two pounds of coffee. You get to pick what coffee. You get to pick how frequent you want it. So if you only want it once a month or you want it every other week, you get to pick all that. Uh, we also have a curated option, so we get to pick. So you get something new every time. That one's fun. Um, and uh, and we're 
we're notorious for throwing extra goodies and packages. So that's been a lot of fun as well. So you can go on rosehousecoffee.com and find us there. So yeah, other than that, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to let us, uh, share what we got going on. It's been a lot of fun building a business during the uh, COVID culture and we're just going to keep plugging away and working like we always have. Now you guys are, you guys are outstanding and I encourage anybody to in Spokane to go check you guys out. It's, it's, it's worth the drive from anywhere in Washington. Really that, that coffee bar at first Avenue, which we haven't even gone into that. We'll maybe let Deb talk about that when we do that one. But uh, seriously, from a coffee geek standpoint, that coffee bar is it's over the top and everybody from your, that I've ever dealt with in your company on any level has just been nothing but pleasant, polite, professional, and with a great sense of humor. So it's like, I can't say enough good things about, about any, about everybody. So thank you for being on our episode. Uh, look forward to talking to you soon and uh, thanks. Take care. Sounds great, Scott. Have a great one. All right. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.